And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today, we have the number 17 prospect in the country as Wild Factor, outfielder, and right-handed pitcher, 2027 Tennessee baseball commit Sebastian, a.k.a. Sushi Wilson, joins the JKR Podcast for the Illinois Baseball Series presented by Mind Baseball. Sushi, super pumped to get you on the show, man. I know we talked there in the spring there. I think it was – down in Memphis, I believe there, you know, early on in one of those first uh, spring tournaments, man. But, uh, you know, day's finally here, finally got you here on the pod. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Not too bad, man. Uh, But, uh, you know, before we dig in, you know, I've been seeing your name a lot around. I've been seeing your name a lot here these past couple of years. I know you had a pretty good social media following. Um, You know, you'd be one of those best players in that 27 class as well. But, uh, you know, again, you know, doing this Illinois series, you're one of those guys I had circled. But I wanted to, you know, make sure I got on the podcast to kind of spotlight your baseball career, spotlight you as a person, um, different things like that. But, you know, before we dig into your baseball career, you know, pretty much all these JKR listeners know this first question by now. For those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Sushi Wilson? Um. I would describe myself as like a really outgoing person. Like if you come up to me, um, I feel like you'll get like my honest opinion on everything. Um, I love to talk about baseball. Like I bring up baseball and mostly everything um, and notice some of my friends at school, but um, all my baseball friends love it. Um, 
I just love baseball and love playing it. Okay. Awesome, man. So before, again, you know, one more question before we dig into the baseball side, this is a question I did add after I sent over those notes. So, uh, you know, be prepared, but um, you know, again, I talk about that social media buzz that you have. I believe you're sitting at like five, 6,000 followers. You know, obviously everyone thinks about Max Clark and, you know, all those different guys when it comes to baseball influencers, you know, you have a pretty good social media following already going into your freshman year, kind of take us through, you know, where do you see that growth and kind of how do you see it growing here in the near future? Yeah. So, um, my dad's helped me with, um, with some of my stuff on social media and, uh, I feel like he does a good job. Um, I've helped him out with some of the stuff too. And I feel like when I started to get on wild fact, when I started playing with wild factor, um, that started to grow. Um, I feel like, like some of my, most of my stuff, um, started to see like an increase in views and stuff because I was out at the top events and people wanted to see that. Um, just seeing like the best against the best. Um, and also when I started going to PG showcases too, that really helped. And, um, and more of like the college side, Twitter is like a really good, um, place to like put your stuff for like college coaches to see and like MLB scouts and stuff. So I feel like Twitter is like really important to have all that stuff. And I've been working hard at that too. Okay. Awesome. So you are wearing that wow factor shirt. You talk about how uh, they've kind of helped you build that social media following as well. I know Evan, I know some of those coaches do a really great job when it comes to promoting all their different players, promoting their program. And obviously they're one of those premier Under Armour brands that's kind of kind of taken over these past couple of seasons. So, uh, you know, kind of take us through your travel baseball experience so far, playing for wow factor, getting connected with them. I know there's been a couple other teams mixed in there as well, a little bit as well. Just kind of take us through that travel baseball experience so far. Mm -hmm. So coach Evan um, reached out to me on Twitter um, about, I would say around like a year and a half ago, two, two years ago. Um, he just really liked what I um, like, what my game possessed. And um, I played with their 14U team when I was in 13U. Um, that's like the 16U team now. Um, that team is just loaded. And I went down to a tournament with Al in Alabama with them. Um, it was like my first time playing with like the top kids in the country. Um, so that was like a pretty surreal experience. Like um, I, was, I was starting a couple games, but I feel like being off the bench is more valuable because you could like intake um, what these kids are doing at a high level. And I feel like that really helped me and helped me like boost my game and like start to get going on the national scene. And then um, I went full time with them um, this, I feel like it was, it was this year. And I split time with Wild Factor and the Bulls because Wild Factor, we only do um, national tournaments. So at the start of the season, I was with the Bulls. And then towards the end of the season, I was, I was with Wild Factor. Um, nothing but love for the Bulls. The Bulls were like amazing to me. Coach Quinn was an awesome coach. I loved his energy. I loved all the coaches there. Um, the teammates were phenomenal. I loved all my teammates there. Um, with Wild Factor, I feel like Coach Evan does a really good job of like surrounding us with like the best talent possible and, but like the right kids too. So Coach Evan would pick like the 50th player in the country, but he's really coachable. The kid's really coachable. Everyone likes him. Then the number like th four player in the country, but like he's not coachable. No one likes him. He just, Coach Evan does an amazing job of surrounding us with likable people and people that are really good. 
Okay. So you mentioned coach Evan there a couple of times, you know, I've ta- I've had the opportunity to talk to him there, you know, once or twice, got to meet him down in Jupiter there a couple of weeks ago from the outside, looking in kind of looking like he's more of like a general man, general manager type guy. When it comes to that wild factor program, obviously he's built a great, a great brand, great uh, travel organization these past three or four years. Um, but beyond him, I know there's other guys involved within that wild factor organization, especially when it comes to, you know, in the dugout, going game to game, stuff like that. What are some of those relationships like with some of those other coaches beyond Evan um, within that wild factor organization? Yeah, for sure. So um, one of my favorite coaches that ever coached me, Coach Bill Hall, um, everyone loves him. Um, He switches between um, teams. I think he was with the 16 you guys this year, but um, he was down in a tournament with us in Alabama. Um, We're always pumped when he's with us because um, he's a former major league player for a long time. He's a guy that you can go to with like any information about baseball, like anything you want. Um, he's a really honest guy, amazing coach. He brings like the energy to the dugout that um, sometimes our team needs um, when we're down in games. And Coach Evan just does an amazing job with all the coaches that he brings in to help us with. And just Coach Hall is like one of the best coaches ever. Yeah, I, I I've talked to, I've talked to a few Wild Factor guys. I always hear great things, you know, whether that's Evan, whether that's uh, some of those other coaches as well. I was down in Cary this past summer and saw that twenty five group and their coaches um looked like everybody you know was big fans of those guys in the dugout. But you know, you going through what was it probably one and a half, two summers now with Wild Factor, kind of seeing how everything's going about, everything that Evan's built, and you know, building those relationships with teammates and with those coaches. You know, what do you think has led to that wow factor success that Evan's been able to build these past couple of years, being a guy who's been there on the day-to-day the past two summers? Mm-hmm. Like going back to what I said earlier, um, I feel like it's building the chemistry and building, like, the team bonding um, with some of the best players in the country that, like, leads us to um, our success. Like, we have um, such good relationships with the – players on our team that I feel like it takes over sometime. Sometimes like our pitchers and catchers have really good relationships. Um, I feel like just like the overall vibe to our team is just unmatched and that helps us um, get through a lot of tough times, a lot of tough um, obstacles. Like we've been down a lot um, in games before and we just been able to like, come back just by like with helping each other out and like knowing situations and knowing when to do stuff. Okay. So obviously, you know, that we talk about how great that wow factor program is, you know, I saw them post yesterday. I think they had like 11 guys in the top, like 250 when it comes to the 2025 MLB draft, you know, those loaded rosters are for every age group. I'm thinking of, you know, Blake Lundy, that's on that wow factor 27 group as well. Some other guys across the country Um, take us through some of the relationships you've been able to build with some of those teammates. And what's that like playing up with guys who are, you know, you're from Chicago, you're facing guys, you're, you're playing with guys from Tennessee. I'm sure there's other states mixed in there as well. Kind of take us through with those relationships you're able to build with guys across the country. Yeah, for sure. I've been able to build really good relationships, um, especially with Blake. Um, he's like my best friend. We always go to um, go to each other with baseball advice. Um, we live far away. So like we have to do most of our stuff on Snapchat, but um, like when we're at tournaments and stuff, we're always with each other. We're always hanging out at hotels. Um, we just kind of like pick each other's brains with baseball. I feel like um, like when I'm on the mound, he um, he's usually my catcher. I feel like um, he knows what I go to in certain counts. And I feel like that's really important. Um, and like a person you, you can trust um, when the moment's shining bright on you. 
and like he knows when to calm me down um yeah the relationships i've built with players on my team um like everyone on my team is just phenomenal yeah so going on a team that has guys from across the country you know looking back on those first couple few tournaments you played with wow factor was a little bit of a culture shock in a way being a guy from chicago being in the midwest facing with you know you know joining a team that has probably guys from the northeast and the south and you know maybe even out west out there a little bit as well was there a little bit of culture shock that came along with that yeah, I feel like um, when I started playing um, with kids all around the country, I feel like just how people carry themselves um, was way different um, on my team and just the presence that they bring um, like out to the field every day. Um, yeah, I just feel like there was kind of a culture shock, but um, I'm a person that adjusts to things really quickly. So I feel like I was able to like build myself into that and not like take not use it um and let it like travel on farther. I feel like I was um, adapting to it pretty quickly. Okay. So, you know, at this moment in time, we are heading into the off season. So you got a couple months there, especially in Illinois when high school baseball doesn't get started until, you know, late March, early April. So you still got a while before, you know, you're put, you're, you're stepping in between the lines again, but looking ahead to next summer, going to be your 15 U summer. What are some of those biggest things you're looking forward to? Just kind of what are the expectations heading into next summer? For sure. I feel like, um, it'll be my first time going to Lake Point this, um, this coming up year. So that's going to be really fun, really fun experience. Um, I'm always, I'm always looking forward to playing against some of my friends on some of the other best teams in the country. Those games against like Canes National, USA Prime, Motor City, those games are always fun. Just playing your buds, um, crap talking each other. It's just really fun. Yeah. Um, so you talk about some of those buddies that are playing on Canes National, USA Prime, you know, I'd say Wild Factor, the Stig, you know, all those different teams. You know, those are probably a select group of, you know, eight or nine teams that are just legit and have guys going to all these big time events, you know, talking about those big time events. PG Select Fest, you had the opportunity there. I think it was probably right before school got started to go down to, I believe it was Florida, you know, go and be with the top like 50 players in your class for that Select Fest. Take us through that event the atmosphere, some of the relationships you, you've been able to build with guys on other teams. You know, what was that PG Select Fest like? Wow, Select Fest was so fun. Um, it actually started, um, I went there, when school already started, so I was out of school, if I missed like two days of school. But um, the relationships I was build, was able to build with um, some other people that like I met at tournaments and stuff, but not like been, been able to have like, like full conversations and full talks with them. Um, I feel like um, when we were there, they built in a good amount of time for like socializing and just getting to know other people better. Um, I knew most of the people at um, at Select Fest. It was amazing just to catch up with a bunch of kids I knew. Um, and of course, there with how how loaded the teams are, um, it was really fun just to play against the best of the best on national TV. Mm -hmm. So when you are socializing with all those other top prospects in the country at an event like PG Select Fest. You know, you talked earlier about how you and Blake are always going to each other about baseball advice. What are some of those conversations looking like with other top prospects? How are you guys picking each other's brains? Kind of take us through those conversations at events like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, we do, like a lot of kids, um, we talk to each other like during our downtime and stuff um, about baseball. But I feel like during like when we were taking batting practice, a lot of us were like grouped up and just um, talking, and I was talking um, with Finn O'Laughlin just about, we were just playing catch with each other, 
And like, I threw like a really good change up to him. And he asked me like what I was throwing. I told him a change up and I showed him my grip. And I feel like just working with kids on other teams, um, just being able to like motivate them and rise because they're my best friends too. So during games, like I want to beat them so bad. Um, during, during games, it's game mode. I don't care if they're my friends or not, but, um, once we get out of games, um, I love to like help my friends. We help each other. Um, it's just really cool just to build relationships with my friends, like, um, out of the games and just being able to get them better too, to help me get better. Yeah. So, you know, all those big time events that, you know, perfect games hosting PBRs hosting, you know, whenever I'm talking to guys, those are usually some of those favorite memories that come to mind when they think about, you know, travel baseball showcase ball, and just, you know, traveling the country within that circuit, you know, beyond that PG select fest, cause I'm assuming that would be one of your favorite memories. What would be some of those other memories that come to mind when you think of travel baseball, playing for wild factor, playing for the bulls, you know, building all these relationships what would be some of those favorite travel baseball memories? Mm -hmm. um, going back to when I was younger, um, I was able to play at Cooperstown with my team and we made it to the championship. And I came in um, in like the third inning and I shut the door, only gave up like one run. And through four innings, I had 11 strikeouts. So just being able to like be with my friends that I've been with for like four years and being able to stay um, in Cooperstown with them, like in those – um, nasty dorm rooms but that was just that was really fun just being with like your friends at like um like pretty fun times like it was just so fun uh, when I was at USA um at the training camp this year um I, I actually went there by myself um so my parents were back in Chicago I was there by myself um I felt like that was like my real first taste of like hard knock baseball like um, I was facing like some of the best kids in the world even at higher age groups so that was really challenging. Um, and just being able, like being in a hotel room by myself, um, having to do like all those things. Um, I just, I love that. Yeah. So going down to carry there by yourself, going to all these big time showcases where, you know, you're experiencing a lot of things that kids your age are just not doing. Um, do you think, you know, playing at this high level, playing this high circuit of travel baseball has matured you not only as a ball player, but as a person as well? Yeah, I feel like um, it's matured me a lot. It's, um, like, brought me into a space where, like, I have to um, do things on my own. I have to, like, think, um, like, selfishly about certain things. Um, I feel like it's, like, started to um, get me to, like, think about, like, stuff, like, just not as a kid, but, like, as, a, as an adult. Um, it just shaped my mind um, differently and like differently than other kids, like other 14 year old kids would think would be yeah, thinking. For sure. for sure. Um, so just a couple of questions here about high school ball. Obviously, usually when I'm talking to guys, they've already played high school games. You have not, you know, being a freshman, you you like again, you'll be heading there uh into your first couple of games there, you know, late March, early April of 2024. But you know, you at Lane Tech, I know you just got you said you just got off the bus, just got home from school on a Friday, couple months in. How has these first couple months at Lane Tech been? They've been amazing. Um, I've already built a couple of good relationships with kids in my classes. Um, I feel like that's really important, especially in high school when things get more challenging to get like people by your side and not just do things by yourself. Um, Lane's like a huge school. So to have people with you, um, I feel like that's really important. Um, on the baseball side, I'm starting to build more relationships with like the older guys. And that that's also like very important to have like the older guys um, be by your sides, pick the older guys' brains out. 
Um, I feel like just Lane has really, I like, I've really molded into um, the Lane way really well. Mm-hmm. You talk about one of those older guys. I believe, uh, is it Ethan Borgren? Is he a Lane Tech guy? Yeah, he is. Okay. He'll be, he'll be on the show here uh, next week. So I'll have back-to-back weeks with a Lane Tech uh, baseball player here on the show. Um, but, you know, talk about Ethan, talk about some of those other upperclassmen that are on that Lane Tech roster. Who have been some of those guys to, you know, maybe take you underneath their wing, kind of show you the ropes of, you know, high school, show you the ropes of, you know, playing high school baseball there in the spring. Who have been some of those leaders on that team that have kind of showed you the way so far? Mm-hmm. So I have a couple friends that um, I've known before even going to um, going to Lane and they like um, – they were like persuading me to go to lane and they've just always, they've always been wanting me to come to lane. Um, one of them being a Mon Con, um, he's committed to a D two school. He pitched for a team Pakistan. He's a really good pitcher. He'll probably be our ace this coming up year. And he really took me under his wing, um, helped me with just getting around the building and stuff and just easing my way into high school. Yeah. Um, so kind of looking ahead there to the spring, you know, when you are facing, you know, when you are going through that freshman year of high school ball, what are those expectations for this Lane Tech program for you yourself, you know, go, going up and facing guys who are going to be 17, 18 years old? What are those expectations you have for that 2024 spring? Mm-hmm. So our freshman class and our sophomore class is pretty stacked. Like we're going to be um, probably competing for a state a state championship in the next coming up years. Um but I feel like a couple expectations for myself. Um, I want to make varsity this year. I feel like I can contribute to the team um, like no other player can. Uh, I just want to be able to represent Lane and just give all I got. Okay. Um, so I kind of noticed this last spring, you know, going to a couple games, seeing some guys in that class of 2026 who were already committed, you know, SEC, Big Ten, different things like that. And I'm seeing a lot of teams harassing some of those guys. So you being one of those top players in the country, already going to Tennessee, one of those best baseball schools in the country, are you expecting a little bit of harassment this upcoming spring from opposing teams? Yeah, I am. Um, I actually got uh, a decent amount of harassment when I first committed, uh, mostly by, like, like not children, mostly parents, like, on Twitter. Um, it's it's mostly rooted in jealousy, just people that, like, like dads that weren't, uh, like, their baseball like um dreams didn't really work out so like they just want to hate on um kids that dreams are coming true but I feel like um a lot of kids like um a lot of top teams in the country that um we're all like really close friends and I feel like um we trash talk each other a lot and um but that's like more in like a friendly way like um we do that um just like bust each other's balls and stuff and when we're out of the field, like, we're really good friends. But I feel like um, some of the kids that we don't know, um, it's mostly rooted in jealousy. Yeah. Um. So, you know, as we talk about you being a guy who's in that class of 2027, you know, I think you were the first guy to commit there to Tennessee for that 2027 class. Um. Let's go ahead. Let's dig into that recruiting process. You know, what, you know, ended up landing you there in, in Knoxville as a, you know, a UT commit. Take us through that recruiting process. You know, when was it that it got started for you? When was it that you started getting noticed by some Division One teams and Division One coaches? Mm-hmm. So um, with Tennessee, so the funny thing was um, that, like, around that time, um, I just went to the Perfect Game National Showcase, and I did not get selected for SelectFest that year. So um, instead, I went to Tennessee for a camp. And I did really well there. I put like five balls in the right field parking lot and they really liked me a lot. 
and um Tennessee was like is like the only school that um I would go like I would go to um like if they if they offered me like on the spot and they were actually my first uh my first offer um and I took it because it's just it was a phenomenal school and I loved it a lot Okay, so as that recruiting process was getting started there for you, obviously you said Tennessee was that dream school. You said that, you know, if they're offering you, you, there's a very, very high chance that you would probably take that offer. As it was getting started, you're talking to some of those Tennessee coaches for the first time. Take us through some of those initial conversations just in terms of maybe questions you're asking them to get to know them, get to know their program a little bit better, questions they're asking you to get to know you, not only on the field but off the field as well as a person. What are some of those conversations looking like? Yeah, so I feel like a lot of the conversations um, went really well. Like I felt like when I started having those first conversations – um, they're really trying to bring me in towards like a family like environment. And I feel like I felt really comfortable talking to them. And I just knew that that was somewhere I wanted to be because I was able to like, um, not be uncomfortable when I'm talking to them. I felt really comfortable, um, around the campus, talking with all the coaches, talking with the players and just a, pl- a place I wanted to be at. Yeah. So you said Tennessee, well, again, you know, being that dream school, being a school that if they did offer you, you know, high chance that you would go ahead and take that offer. What made Tennessee that dream school? Like, have you always followed them your entire childhood? What exactly was it that put Tennessee so high on that list before the recruiting process really got going? Mm-hmm. So that coming up like that, um, that same year I committed, so like my 13th season, um, I started watching college baseball. Um, like, I didn't really watch it before that. I started to watch it and um, before that, previously, I was watching like the Super Regionals. I saw Tennessee was there. Um, I knew they were a really good program. And Tennessee just checks um, all the boxes off. It's not too far away from me where um, like I have to fly every time. Like my parents can still come down to games. Um, the weather there, you, you only have to like, I believe, like practice indoors like around three to five weeks. So the weather that down there in Knoxville is pretty good. Um, the campus is beautiful. And I wanted to surround myself with like a really good sports rooted um, college. Tennessee is really good in uh, most of the sports that they play in. So um, I also want to be at a really good football program school too. just feel like the football aspect of a college just really shapes how colleges are. So I just wanted to be like um, at a place that I felt comfortable. Um, also the coaches at Tennessee are just phenomenal. Like no, I don't think anyone um, that has dreams to play college baseball wouldn't play for Coach Vitello. Yeah, um, to, to, Coach Vitello. I've heard great things about him. Obviously, haven't had the chance to you know actually meet him and you know talk to him, but I've heard great things. Um, saw him walking around in Jupiter. He was like a ninja, going to all these different games, checking out all these different different guys who are either you know being recruited or guys who've already committed to Tennessee. Um, just really cool. And he's probably one of those biggest big celebrities within collegiate baseball. Um, and again, I really like how you talk about that football culture as well um, in terms of, you know, I, I remember always, you know, scrolling through Twitter there about a year ago, seeing that uh, goal post that ended up, I think, in, in the Knoxville River or something like that. Um, so, you know, pretty good culture there. They got going in Knoxville for pretty much all their sports that they have. But um, beyond Tennessee being a dream school for you, let's say the recruiting process maybe went a little bit differently. What would have been some of those key things that you were looking for? And let's say you're comparing Elish, or, or sorry, let's say you're comparing Tennessee to potentially some other schools going after you. What would have been some of those key things you were looking for? For sure, um, I was, I was looking for a place. Um, like as I said, that's not too far um, away from Chicago, so a place that like I can drive to, um, a place that 
has a really good coaching staff, like a coaching, um, a coaching staff that you can go to um, things, not just baseball, just a, a coaching staff that you can go to um, with like anything, like anything like, like life related. Um, um, I probably would want somewhere near the South. So I didn't have to freeze my butt off every day um, at the start of the season um, in a school that I would probably, I would be competing for um, a college championship every year. Okay. So, you know, once you kind of realized that Tennessee was, you know, checking off a lot of those boxes that you had, you know, them being a dream school, um, all those different things. What was that final click for you that made you realize, okay, you know what? I think Tennessee is where I need to play my collegiate baseball. I'm going to go ahead, commit now, get it out of the way. Um, just kind of what was that final click that put Tennessee on top? I feel like the final click was um, when I started talking to the coaches every day. Um, I was talking like after from, after the camp to like when I committed, it was around like two weeks, I believe I called the coaches every day. Um, they were super invested in me. And I feel like um, that was like the final click when you could have um, like a college coach to be that invested in you and wanting to bring you in that much. I feel like that was just a place I, I needed to be at. Yeah. So, you know, being a guy who's in that class of 27, you know, you having played a high school game yet already committed, you know, kind of a, you know, lift, uh, what's it, what's, what's the saying there, uh, weight off your shoulders, not really having to worry about it. You know, what benefits do you think comes with that being a guy who doesn't have to worry about the recruiting process here these next couple of years? Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of good upside to that. I feel like you don't have to like, when there's a big tournament going on and you know, scouts are there, you're not going to like, um, try to do too much. You can just play loosely. Like they know you're there for a reason. They know you're committed for a reason. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's also some downsides too. Like you have a huge target on your back. Um, like everyone's everyone's want to go. Everyone is going to want to come for you. Um, and there's gonna be a lot of jealousy coming towards you. But if you're a really strong-minded person, that just motivates you even more to do what um, what you're already doing. Yeah, for sure. So we talked about Coach Patella there earlier. I'm sure you're talking to a lot of those other coaches within that Tennessee coaching staff. Um, what are those relationships looking like with that staff? You know, some of your future coaches there years down the road. Um, just kind of take us through what those relationships are looking like. Mm -hmm. I have a really good relationship um, with Coach Luke Bonfield. Um, he was the person that I talked to like almost every single day um, um, until I committed. And then after I committed, we chatted around um, one time a week until the new rule. Um, he was a person that I can go to, not just about baseball, just about life. Um, like we would just, we would talk about baseball. We would talk about the program. We'd also be just talking about like baseball things in general. Um, Cause a lot of players that have gone through like his systems um, have ended up in the major leagues or players that he he's been um, playing with have gone to the major leagues. So just talking about like um, the MLB and like the next level of gameplay. Um, I feel like he's a really good person to go to that with. And he's just like a, um, a really chill guy that you can just go to with anything. Yeah. So with that new rule coming to effect to where, you know, after that commitment, you kind of the NCAA kind of cracked down, said, hey, you know, these colleges can't be recruiting you until, you know, August 1st of your junior year. You can't really talk to that future coaching staff. Um, you know, what what are you looking forward to most there? You know, year and a half down the road, August 1st, of that junior year comes, you can start talking to that coaching staff again. You know, what's that? You know, what are you looking forward to most there and kind of what's that excitement looking down the road? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to um, sharing with like a lot of the stuff uh, that I wasn't able to share because we weren't uh, talking as much. I feel like the um, the commitment camps are a huge thing. Um, so we at least get to um, see each other like once every year. But um, I, I'm just going to miss um, 
just talking to college coach, like my college coaches that I'm going to have up, up and coming, um, mostly weekly about stuff. Um, like they were giving me like, um, hitting advice that would, that helped me a lot. Um, but I'm most, I'm most forward to looking, I'm looking forward to most, um, just talking to them and just, just, yeah, basically just talking to them. Okay. So sticking on that topic of relationships, you know, we were kind of texting about this this morning here when I had that typo, um, within these podcast notes, uh, got one other guy within that class of 2027 committed to Tennessee already, Max Hemingway. Um, you know, kind of take us through the relationship you have with him, potentially relationships you have with guys in that 26 or even 25 class as well. Um, what are those relationships looking like with your future volunteer teammates? Yeah, me and Max have a really good relationship. Um, I feel like we um, we represent the Vols um, really well. Um, we're always hanging out at tournaments and stuff. Um, we're really good teammates to each other. I feel like so. I usually bat around three through five, and he's usually the leadoff hitter. So um, I'm his main run scorer. I usually bring him in a lot. Um, so yeah, I feel like we do, we have a really good relationship. Um, I also have a, um, a good relationship with Colton Springall, the um, 2026 um, also Vol commit. Um, we were talking with each other at the Tennessee camp um, last year. Um, we're just um, cool friends, and yeah, I feel like when you're committed um with another kid that's going to the same school as you um you like to build that relationship early um so when you get on campus with them um uh, it's like your family with each other yeah so being that first guy in that ten in that tennessee 2027 recruiting class you got a big job at hand helping coach vitello and that coaching staff potentially recruit some other guys onto that knoxville campus there in a couple of years for you playing on wow factor going to all these big time events being around the best players in the country, how are you maybe, you know, pushing Tennessee towards some of these uncommitted guys' way? Yeah, so um, going back to Blake, uh, me and Blake always talk about um, Tennessee because he does live – he lives in Chattanooga, so um, it's not too far away from um, Knoxville. So I'm always trying to tell him to um, come, um, come with us down to campus and stuff and um, see how he likes it there. Um, I also like a lot of a lot of my friends that play on different teams um, that are really good. Um, I always try to get them to um, come to like the camps and see how they like it because um, I I like um, bringing like my friends over uh, for certain things. Um, not not just in baseball, just in life. Like I like to like invite friends over to um, to like my house, just like hang out, watch games. So I'm like a really um, like a really outgoing person in that in that way. But I feel like um, just helping coach Vitello in any way possible, especially with these new rules where they can't really talk to them. Um, just helping um, out any way possible with that. Yeah, you got a coach. You got a what? Let's see, probably about eighteen, man. Probably about twenty months there to you know, you know, build up some of those relationships. Help, help Vitella, You know, build a pretty strong twenty twenty seven recruiting class. Go down there. Hopefully, win some SEC championships. Make it to Omaha there a couple times. Uh, you got a couple years to you know kind of work on that. But um, last baseball segment here for you, man. Before we kind of dig into the whole personal side of things. Um, with you being an outfielder, also being a pitcher, um, you know, I, I was looking through your PG account or there earlier. I know you you are very solid at both, but where do you kind of see that plan at the next level? Do you see yourself maybe sticking to the outfield, maybe becoming a PO two way kind of take us through what that plan is when you get to that next level? Yeah. So I feel like right now, um, I'm not mainly focusing on pitching. Like, um, I have my, my pitching coach, um, we work on um, 
um, more like mostly mechanical stuff. And I feel like with my pitching, um, I'm just kind of letting it ride with me. I use it as um, like an arm freshener um, to help like get my arm strength up. And I've, I'm a pretty good pitcher right now. Um, but I feel like my goal uh, moving forward to the next level is to be an outfielder. But if my pitching starts to get way better um, as time goes on, then I can make some other decisions. But I feel like um, I'm a really good outfielder and I love hitting. So I probably won't be a PO anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, hitting hitting is definitely the most fun part, fun, most fun aspect of, you know, playing the game of baseball. Um, but with you, you know, be, I know you said, you know, pitching kind of on the secondary there, but, you know, you are a pretty high caliber pitcher when you're, you know, pitching for Wild Factor. I'm sure you might be pitching for Lane Tech there in the years to come as well. Um, I do kind of want to dig into, you know, some sort, some aspects to your pitching stuff. First off, your pitching repertoire. Kind of take us through what exactly that's looking like. Some of the different secondary pitches you've potentially added here in the past couple of years. Um, just kind of take us through what that repertoire looks like. Yeah, so um, probably starting with when I started playing with Wild Factor, um, I had to start changing things up because we were playing um, like way higher competition and kids were just able to hit fastballs. Like when I was younger, I was just able to blow fastballs by people and I didn't really work on a secondary pitch. So when I got with Wow Factor, I started working on a changeup and a slider. Um, I would say my slider is my best pitch. Um, it kind of moves like a slurve. It's not as like tight as other people's sliders, and I grip it differently, but it's really effective. Um, I throw a four-seam, a two-seam, and a changeup, and a slider. Um, when my when my two-seam is on, it's probably my best, um, my best fastball because I can ride it inside um, to righties, especially during with wood bat. Um, two seam is just so deadly. Like you get so much weak contact, so many ground balls. Um, and then with lefties, I like to, um, bust them inside with, um, two seamers that look like they're about to hit them and then come back to towards the plate. So I just like the, um, like the pitching tunnel between sliders and two seams. Yeah. So you join wall factor kind of realize, okay, you know, this competition is a little bit better than I faced in the past. Might have to go, go ahead and develop and add some new pitches to that repertoire. How did you go? How do you go about developing pitches, adding them to the repertoire, kind of working on them, you know, making sure that they're game ready. What's that process there for you? Mm -hmm. So I feel like um, I build in time, like in, like before games and during practice, just to work on um, different grips, see what's working, see what's not. Um, I usually get um, one of my friends on my team that's also doing the same thing. So we just, uh, we also help each other, picking each other's brains out with that just helping each other on grips, what like looks good, what moves well, what doesn't. Um, I feel like I, I build, um, I do really well at building um, time before games on working on that stuff. Okay. So earlier on you cut, you, you know, we both kind of talked about Blake Lundy there. I saw him play uh, at that same tournament we met. I saw him play for the first time. I was like, man, pretty, pretty damn good baseball player. And he's got, you know, got that projectability there as well. Um, but, you know, him being your catcher, you've talked about the good relationship you have with him. Um, you know, what benefits do you think that brings having a good relationship with the guy behind the plate? Yeah, build, building a relationship with your catcher is huge. Like um, in tough spots, especially when you're getting older and you're starting to get into more um, like louder environments, a lot more people at your games. I feel like you need a person, uh, like a catcher to trust that you trust and that will help you slow the game down. Um, I build a good relationship with Blake where um, he'll know what I like, what I like to throw in certain counts and I don't really shake him off a lot. So I feel like a catcher that knows like what you like and you don't really have to shake him off that much. And um, 
he used to have good conversations when like um say things are not going well he comes out to the mound um just having those good conversations and just listening to what they're saying okay so also want to dig into the mechanics here so this is gonna be a two-parter question how we're going to go ahead and transition from pitching to hitting um so first off those mechanics on the mound you know whether that's from the windup whether that's from the stretch take us through what those mechanics are looking like but then also on the hitting side of things as well from that load up to that follow through what are those mechanics looking like on the offensive side of things? Mm -hmm. So me and my pitching coach were actually talking about this. Um, I feel like, I think it was yesterday or a couple days ago. Um, we were talking about how I'm more of a linear guy towards the plate. So I don't really sink in um, when, when I'm pitching. I don't really sink into like my back hip and my back leg as much as other people do. And um, so what I have to compensate that with is having a good lead leg, lead leg block and, um, so that helps me um, um, get more momentum coming towards the plate and getting more of that shot off. So when like my body's moving forward and getting that good lead leg block, the ball can shoot out of my hands faster. Um, I feel like I do a really good job um, with getting my glove out in front and then like ripping it back towards my body. I feel like that gives you a lot more movement to your pitches. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm like a guy that like, um, it's actually kind of opposite um, hitting and pitching. Um, I'm more of like an upwards straight guy when I'm um, throwing. All right. And then also on the hitting side of things. Yeah. So um, like, like what I said earlier with my um, hitting, um, I'm way more into my legs when I'm hitting. Um, I would kind of um, compare my swing to Bryce Harper. We kind of have similar swings. Um, so with, with my hitting, I, I kind of, a lot of people start with a knob back. Um, I feel like it's kind of harder for me to do that. Um, I start with like my knob kind of facing towards the other batter's box, but I still do a really good job of getting that back. And I feel like that gives me like the, like the, um, just helps my swing stay smoother. And um, like with my leg kick, I feel like if I can sink that in right and with the pitch, that'll help me a lot more just with like the timing of different, uh, different pitches and stuff. And um, my two-strike approach and just my hitting approach in general um, is pretty good. So when you are hitting, I was looking at that earlier, you are, you do hit lefty, but you throw righty. Um, obviously, you know, lefty hitters kind of have an advantage when it comes to facing righties. How exact did that come about? Was that something that you just, you were born, you know, you picked up a bat for the first time as a lefty and just did it that way. Maybe it was something that you developed. Kind of take us through, you know, being one of those guys who throws righty, but hits lefty, you know, how, how did that all come about? Mm -hmm. um, it was more of a thing. I just, when I picked up a bat, um, I started swinging lefty um, and I threw righty. I feel like it's also um, like a lot harder, like in the, um, in the weight room because you're gonna have to work on both sides um, like equally as much because um, one way I'll be throwing. Um, so say I'm going to like, I'm going to my left um, on certain movements, that'll be like my throwing side and then going to the right on certain things will be my hitting side. So I feel like um, that's a tough challenge, um, but I like it a lot. I, I love hitting lefty. It just feels way more smooth. Yeah, you know, it's always fun to, uh, you know, you, you talk about how you compare yourself to Bryce Harper, you know, those, you know, smooth lefty swings like Harper, um, you being from Chicago, I'm sure you might have, you know, watched Anthony Rizzo growing up as well. He always had that smooth lefty swing. Uh, I always love seeing Schwarber there as well, especially, you know, in the postseason here, tearing it up for the Phillies. 
Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, you know, like I agree, you know, talking about those left-handed, you know, smooth swings, but i um, kind of want to dig into your hitting approach here a little bit. You know, let's say, you know, you said you're, you're usually through the three through five hole. Um, let's say you're on deck, watching the guy in front of you, watching that pitcher, you know, what's going through your mind on deck. You start walking up to that batter's box, kind of take us through what you're trying to do with each at bat. Mm-hmm. So starting off, um, when I'm on deck, I like just to time up the pitcher, see how they're, um, like going about things, see if they, they change um, their looks, if they mix up their looks, or they're just a guy that just comes at the same time and goes every time. That also helps me on um, base running too. If I like, if I see visualize that stuff before um, I come up and, and I run. Um, so I like to time up things and um, on the on deck circle. Um, and then when I get up to the box, I feel like um, when after a pitch is thrown, uh, I, I also see, um, Cubs player Nico Horner do this a lot. He just stares right at the pitcher like the entire time. I feel like sometimes pitchers give cues um, on certain things, um, like their body language, where they um, like say they don't like like a pitch that they just threw. Sometimes their body language shows that, and you can pick up on that and use that as an advantage as a hitter. So I feel like just always being locked in at the plate and just visualizing what the pitcher is doing that helps you a lot. Yeah. So are you a big two strike approach guy or do you kind of keep it the same no matter what the count is? Yeah, I'm a really good two strike um, hitter. I kind of um, go after a lot. Um, when, I, when I get to two strikes, I shorten, uh, I shorten my, um, I shorten up a lot. I feel like that helps me a lot without striking out. Like I, I have like a 6% strikeout percentage. Um, I feel like that also has a really good element to my game, just putting balls in play. Um, making the defense work. I feel like that's really um, really elevating my play, but um, just working on with two strikes, just getting more into my legs, um, being able to hit um, tough pitches that are borderline and um, just really shortening up. Okay, so looking at your game's entirety, so this can be playing the outfield, running bases, when you're on the mound striking guys out, or also when you're hitting that batter's box. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report that you'd write up on yourself? I would say like I'm a true five tool player. Um, I can do everything um, in the game really well. I'm a really good base runner. Um, I'm a really good hitter. I'm a really good fielder. Um, I pitch well. I also believe in like the um, the six tool baseball IQ. Um, I'm, I'm a really good baseball IQ player. Um, I watch a lot of baseball. Like during my downtime, I'm always watching baseball. I'm not just watching highlights. I'm just actually like watching the game, seeing what the players are doing. Um, I feel like just analyzing baseball and just surrounding yourself in baseball constantly, that really helps like your baseball IQ, like knowing um, what to do before the ball comes to you. Just all that stuff when you learn as a kid, but like actually in like in taking that, like I feel like a lot of kids when coaches say that, they just brush it off um, and don't really listen to that. But like when I really take it in, um, that actually helps me um, like with baseball IQ. Yeah. So you talk, as you talk about that sixth tool of baseball IQ, you know, going ahead, you said you're not watching highlights, watching full games, you know, going, you, you, you mentioned Nico Horner, you know, that's a pretty, you know, you know, tiny little detail that you've actually recognized within Horner's game. You know, that, you know, that takes a lot of grind to shoot. Sometimes for me, even a guy who's trying to work within the baseball industry after graduation, you know, sometimes I find it tough to be at the baseball diamond, you know, paying that close attention to the game and, uh, you know, where did that love for you kind of come from, you know, to, you know, follow the game, kind of, you know, follow a little bit better, um, look at the small details that go on, you know, in between every pitch, you know, in between the batter, in between the hitter, I'm sorry, within 
the hitter, the pitcher, whatever. Um, where did that love to, you know, kind of pay attention more, follow the small details? Just where did that love kind of come from? Mm -hmm. I feel like it first started uh, when I started playing baseball. Like my dad would always watch um, baseball games when I was little. And um, like I was watching the Cubs win the World Series live. Um, but like the true like uh, locked in approach of like watching like a lot of games, I feel like started probably around two years ago. Like I've been I've watched I think I only missed around like 20 Cubs games this year. I was always watching Cubs games. Um, and I feel like just like not just watching like the highlights of the game, but watching like games like day through and day out um, really helps, especially if you're a baseball player. Just know what the pros are doing, know what you need to do to, to get at that level. And um, just seeing, like, even just watching players, like the best players in the world struggle, that's a huge thing. Not just watching, like, all their highlights of them just hitting bombs. I feel like just seeing how they go about things when they fail, that also helps you a lot. Yeah, so uh, being a Cubs fan, you said you you had the chance to watch that Cubs World Series shoot win. What would you have been, like, first or second grade? I mean, I was a freshman in high school. I barely remember that at this point now. Um, yeah, I was actually I was actually pretty young. Um, at the time, we were living, uh, me and my parents, we were living in um, a condo. And um, when the Cubs won the World Series, me and my stepsister went out to the um, out to our balcony because we lived in downtown, and we could literally hear hear Wrigley Field from like six miles away because there were like I think there was over like five hundred thousand people at Wrigley Field when they won the World Series, just flooding the streets around Wrigley. So we could literally hear. Um, Wrigley from like six miles away and everyone came out of their balconies like around us and started saying go Cubs go yeah definitely uh you know I'm from Indiana so I didn't I, I don't live too close to the city of Chicago but as a Cubs fan you know you know me and my dad always talked about being there in Wrigleyville being in Chicago uh when the Cubs would have won that World Series you know came came a couple years earlier than what we were expecting so kind of I guess we weren't there in Chicago at the time kind of expected a couple more World Series championships from that roster but you know oh well we got a we got a we got a pretty good roster coming on these next couple years as well um but anyway man back to your story um you know obviously we've talked about you know who you are as a ball player right now let's go ahead let's dig into you as a ball player a couple years down the road get into Knoxville as a, as an 18 19 year old Looking at your development these next couple of years, what would be some of those key points of emphasis you have within your training? Yeah, I feel like um, within my training, I just want to get stronger every year. I feel like um, I can never um, like stay the same for any um, certain period of time. I always want to be getting stronger, um, throwing harder, hitting um, harder. I feel like just being able to get to campus and being like one of the stronger guys there already um, that'll help me a lot and just help my progression throughout college. Um, so yeah, I just, I just want to be the strongest person I can be when I get to college. Okay. I got one last baseball question here for you, man, before we kind of dig into that personal side of things here to end it off. Um, so obviously you playing for wild factor, playing for the bulls there a little bit as well, going to a great high school program there in lane tech. I'm sure you've had a ton of great baseball minds within your baseball career so far. But who have been some of those most influential people within your career so far? Two to three people um, who's been most influential? Mm -hmm. I feel like um, the main person is probably my dad. Like, he's always been there for me. Um, he's He's been recording every single one of my bats since I was, like, eight years old. Um, he's, always, he's always been to all my games. He's driven me to all my games. Uh, I feel like he's a person that I can talk to. Like, he's really knowledgeable in baseball, too even though he didn't play it, like he's also like um, watching games with me, watching my games. 
I feel like he's a really, really knowledgeable person in that. And um, he really influences me a lot. Awesome, man. You know, one last segment here for you, man, before we dig it off, before we end it off. Um, you know, first off, passions beyond the game of baseball. Let's say you got to go cope with some stress or maybe take your mind off of something. Uh, what would be some of those passions, maybe some of those hobbies that you have beyond the game of baseball? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a huge sports guy, so um, I love playing a ton of different sports. Even though if I don't play competitively, I love playing like football with my friends. Um, I love playing basketball. Um, I love playing like card games too, poker, blackjack, um, all those types of games, <laughs> even though they're not for money. Uh, me and my friends started playing um, those types of games like fifth grade. Um, probably shouldn't be doing that, but it was just really <laughs> fun. But um, yeah, just being, I love being around my friends. Like those are the people like I always surround myself with really good people. Um, so I love hanging around with my friends and just doing everything with people around me. Okay. So moving from passions to motivations, what is that that helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person, what would be some of those motivations that you have? Mm -hmm. I feel like every person always tries to like strive to be the best. Um, And I feel like if you're not trying to be the best that mostly everything you're doing, you're doing things wrong. So just being able to um, like constantly having that work mindset and always trying to prove the haters wrong is a really good way of going about things. Okay. So, you know, as you're always trying to prove those haters wrong, you know, having that mindset of, you know, just becoming the best possible person that you can be. Um, let's move that. Let's take that question a little bit further. Perfect picture of your life, 20 years down the road, let's say what mid thirties there for you. What does that perfect picture look like? Um, I probably, I want to be in the MLB. Um, I want to be um, playing for the Cubs. Um, and I probably want to, I want to sign, at least a, a nine figure contract and be on my way to Cooperstown. That's okay. Here we go. You know, that's a, you know, pretty lofty goal there for you, man. Hopefully that, you know, all comes true. Obviously me being a Cubs guy, wouldn't be too bad to see uh, that sushi Wilson name up there on that jumbotron there for, uh, for many, many years. But I got six more questions here for you, man, before we ended off uh, more of kind of like a rapid fire pace here. So three sets of two questions here. First set, Coolest contact in your phone? You know, you're scrolling through those contacts. Who's that coolest guy that maybe not too many people have there? Uh, maybe not too many have people have that phone number. And then second question, go-to playlist, you know, whether that's, you know, making a trip down to Atlanta or Hoover, Florida, or maybe you're driving down to Knoxville there for, you know, a visit or a camp or whatever. What would be that go-to playlist that you have that you're putting on the speakers throughout those long trips? Mm-hmm. So the first question, um, probably Max Clark. Um, he reached out to me when I um, was deciding on going to whether if I was going to the Bulls or not. He reached out to me and just persuaded me to come over there. Um, and the next question, most likely, like I love Morgan Wallen. So a good Morgan Wallen playlist I actually made myself um, is really good. Or some jazz, more specifically Miles Davis, because I sleep a lot in the car rides. So just to have like um, listen to jazz or classical music sounds really nice. Okay, what's that? What's that go to Morgan Wallen song? Um, I like "Chasing You" or "Whiskey Glasses." Okay, yeah, I, more. I mean, I don't think Morgan Wallen makes a bad song. It's crazy. I uh, I think that last album he dropped there, I think it was this upcoming spring, had like what, like thirty songs on it. I don't think there was a 
a single bad one at all. That that trip actually to Memphis, I met you. I think I think literally all I listened to was that new play. was that new album he dropped. Literally yeah, back, back, to back. But uh, um, anyway, man, digging into that second set of questions here for you. Let's say I'm taking a trip to Chicago. You know, maybe going towards you know your part of the city. What would be some of those recommendations you have for me? You know, good restaurants, good things to check out, maybe some touristy spots or even some local spots as well. What would be some of those recommendations? And then let's say you're having dinner with three people of your choice, dead or alive. Who would be at that table? Mm-hmm. So um, I would recommend a lot of like the like the people that live in Chicago don't really go to a lot of the tourist areas. Um, I feel like a lot of like the smaller like restaurants um, are really good. There's a place in Rosemont called Gene and Jude's. It's a really good hot dog place. Um, it's kind of like a lot of like the really good restaurants, like crap hole places. Like, like they're they're just really like bad food for you, but it just tastes so good. Um, Gene and Jude's is a place I um, recommend, and um, any like small pizza place usually has like really good pizza, um, and then. Um, I would probably want to go to dinner with my brother, um, Lucas, Shohei Otani, and Shohei Otani's translator. Just, like, <laughs> pick his brain out. I, li- I like how uh, you throw in his translator there as well, kind of, you know, thinking ahead of, you know, what those conversations would look like. But yeah. um, two final questions here for you, man. Uh, TikTok for you, page. Let's say you're logging on to TikTok. You're scrolling through. I know TikTok has a weird way of – you know, talk, you know, whatever you want to see for some reason that day, you're seeing it. So uh, what's that TikTok for you page looking like? And then final question, Dream NIL brand, you get to Tennessee, get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that Dream NIL brand there for you to to, uh, to endorse? Mm-hmm. So my TikTok for you page is kind of weird. So like, I'll be talking with my friends and um, like I'll say like a keyword and I feel like my phone hears me because when I log back on the TikTok, it's right there. Um, say like I'm just in bed. Um, I'll mostly see like usually steak cooking videos. Um, I like to cook. Um, whenever I go to my grandma's house uh, with my brother, and my sister, uh, we're always cooking. Um, I love I love steak so much. Like I, I could eat so much steak. Um, that and then just like baseball videos like king of juco baseball bat bros those are guys i look up to and always watch their stuff on tiktok um those guys um i love to watch and then dream um nil deal probably wilson um because one it's my last name that would just be really cool just to have a ton of wilson stuff um they're a chicago company and they also own like a bunch of different companies d marini um, Louisville Slugger. So it would just be really fun to um, work with those guys and just have all that gear. Yeah. Oh, one other company I think you've got a pretty good relationship with is uh, Homewood Bat. I've uh, been able to talk to some of those guys in the past weeks. I met, uh, met I think it was DJ and Todd uh, down there in Jupiter, had the opportunity to talk with them. Two great dudes. Hopefully I can dig into Homewood Bat Company here pretty soon. Um, I've heard a lot of great things from all the different players I've talked to about them. But Anyway, man, that's the final question here for you on the JKR podcast. I do really appreciate you coming on the show. It was great getting to meet you. Uh, great getting to know you. Great getting to kind of, you know, learn about your baseball career so far. Um, you know, as you go through these next couple of years before you get to Tennessee, I do want to wish you the best of luck on your baseball career. You know, facing that high, high caliber talent at Lane Tech, high caliber talent there playing for Wow Factor and, you know, play on that high level travel baseball circuit. Um, just want to wish you the best of luck, man, within the rest of your baseball career. But again, man, you know, just appreciate you coming on the show. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.